0: I am honored again as a senior pastor of Brentwood Baptist Church to be with you on this Vision Sunday when we talk about all that God is laying out in front of us. And one of the things we need to do for just a few seconds is to celebrate all the things that God has done in our past. Uh, We are now a church of eight campuses. Uh, We're celebrating Avenue South moving into a permanent location that is their building, their facility, and how exciting that is. You know, Aaron and I were talking the other day, and each time we have had to do something at Avenue South that it involved property, finding the property for the original location, finding a permanent facility, both times we were told by all of the, quote, experts that there was no property available, that we would never find it. Both times, God answered in ways that, well if we had known that property was available, we probably wouldn't have had the faith to pray for it. That's how overwhelming and unexpected God's answers have been. So we are excited about what God is doing in the sanctuary of Brentwood Baptist Church, what he's doing in Columbia through our campus at Station Hill. On and on the list goes. But if I get to celebrating all of that, I'll forget to tell you what's ahead. You know, Nashville is an incredible place to live, this area in Middle Tennessee that we call home, and it is known for a place where dreams come true. Uh, you know the story. Somebody in some little small town somewhere in America starts strumming a guitar, playing a piano, putting a few words together that rhyme, and all of a sudden, they get this itch that they want to be a star, so they come to Nashville. Nashville. Uh, They bum around in various clubs and singing in churches anywhere where they can get the opportunity until somebody hears them. Somebody sees them and a spark goes off. Hey, if we did this, this person could be a star. If we put this kind of band behind her, she could go far. And over the next seven or eight years, we suddenly find out about the next overnight sensation. It's interesting how long it takes to be an overnight hit in Nashville. But for all of those dreams that come true, there are 10, 50, hundreds that don't. Nashville is a city With a lot of heartache. Middle Tennessee is a region with a lot of brokenness. We try to ignore it. We try to make sure it happens on the other side of town, that it happens somewhere else, but you can't stay away from it. Sooner or later, the headlines gets a little too close. The news gets personal. You wonder how it got this messed up. You wonder how it got this bad. And if you'll allow it, your heart will break. Now, most of us don't have the courage to walk through that process of letting our heart break. But I want to remind you as we get together today that every major movement of God started when somebody's heart broke. I know. That's a weird vision sermon, isn't it? I'm not going to be pointing out any new programs. I'm not going to be talking about any new buildings. I'm going to be asking you this question. Do you love Middle Tennessee enough? Do you love the people who make up our communities enough to let your heart break for them? Every great movement starts with the people of God becoming brokenhearted. It's Nehemiah that tells us this. There are uh, several stories that have to do with the people of God and their breaking hearts. And we're going to be focusing on them over the next few weeks. The first one we're going to talk about is Nehemiah. It's the very first chapter of his book. Nehemiah is serving as the cupbearer to the king when his brother from Jerusalem comes to see him. Nehemiah is in exile. His brother tells him that Jerusalem is not doing well. This is Nehemiah's response, verse four. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the Lord of heavens. And here is what I said. Lord God of the heavens, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands, let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins we have committed against you. Both I and my father's family have sinned. We have acted corruptly toward you and have not kept the commands, the statues, or ordinances you gave your servant Moses. Please remember what you commanded, your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, you will scatter. I will scatter you among the peoples. But I, if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the furthest horizons, I will gather them from there and bring them to a place where I chose to have my name dwell. They are your servants, your people. You redeemed them by your great power and strong hand. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success today. Grant him compassion in the presence of this man, the king. Now, at this time, I was the cupbearer. To the king. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Babylon had an interesting theory of how they handled the countries that they overran. What they would do is they would pretty much destroy the country that they were attacking. And then they would take the best and the brightest of that country, and they would take them back to Babylon. They would train them. They would train them to become bureaucrats in the Babylonian empire. And they would send them out into the other parts of the empire, most of the time away from their own homes, to serve the king and his empire. That's how Daniel and his friends got to Babylon. They were some of the best and brightest of Jerusalem. And so they were taken in exile. This exile almost destroyed Judaism. Not only did Israel and uh, Jerusalem have a hard time understanding that God would allow his, his city the city of David, to be overrun and destroyed. The temple burned. They gave up hope. Later we find out when the people returned to Jerusalem, a lot of them could not even speak their native tongue. The only thing they knew was Babylonian language. They lost their story. They lost their history. They almost lost everything. Now, Nehemiah had been assigned to serve the king. He was a trusted advisor and servant of the king as a cupbearer of the king. It was his job to make sure, well, that the king didn't get poisoned. Nehemiah's brother comes from Jerusalem. Nehemiah asked, how are the folks back home? And his brother tells him, the wall is torn down. The gates have been burned. The people are scattered. And it breaks Nehemiah's heart. Not only is he sad, he's almost unable to move. He talks about praying for days, fasting for days. He is so broken by what he hears his people are going through. That he literally doesn't know what to do. But he makes his mind up. I'm going to bring this up to the king. Somehow I'm going to ask for the king's favor to go back to Jerusalem and restore what has been lost. So he prays. What we're going through, O oh Lord, we deserve. We didn't keep your promises. We didn't keep your commandments. What you have done to us by pulling us into exile, we deserve. But you also promised that you wouldn't leave us to despair. That if we returned to you, you would take us back home. And that's what I'm praying for now, Nehemiah says. But I need the help of the king. Will you allow favor? Will you allow him to hear me? Conversation in the next chapter takes place. The king actually brings it up. Why are you so sad, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah tells him about Jerusalem. And the king then asks, what do you want? Not only does the king let Nehemiah go back, he gives him letters of protection. Not only does he give him letters of protection and let him go back, he also provides the materials to rebuild Jerusalem. You see, Nehemiah was the cupbearer. All of us are still trying to recover from COVID. My recent sabbatical, only thing I did was drive up and down I-65 hearing about what was going on in Middle Tennessee. Most of the churches in Middle Tennessee are somewhere around half attendance now in person Maybe 75%, nobody is at full capacity. Nobody is back to their pre-COVID numbers. In fact, most of us are beginning to understand that it will be a long time, if ever, that some of these churches ever return to pre-COVID numbers. In the meantime, our world hasn't s- s- remained still. Things have happened. We were quarantined. A lot of us had to face long months of solitude. And for some of us, it was more than we could take. The incidences of mental health crisis went through the roof. Drug addiction went through the roof. Suicides went through the roof. And one of the conversations I had, I talked with the mayor of Franklin. Franklin. You know what he talked about? He didn't talk about infrastructure. He didn't talk about new roads. He didn't talk about taxes. He talked about the number of people in Williamson County who commit suicide. Williamson County has one of the highest suicide rates in the state of Tennessee. The main demographic of that is men forty five to fifty five years old. Men forty five To 55 years old, men who should be in the prime of their life wake up one morning and can't find a reason to go on. Does that break your heart? Does it break your heart with the number of young adults who struggle with anxiety and depression? As you break your heart, the number of families that are struggling, marriages that are struggling to stay together because the economic pressure, the financial pressure, the pressure of jobs and whether or not we'll have the job is straining the marriage. Kids that are falling behind in school and struggling to catch up. The number of people who are lost. I know that's an old church term. And when I was growing up, you'd hear the pastor talk all the time about people who are lost, about your lost neighbors and your lost friends. Have you ever been lost? I mean, really lost. Uh, You go, well, man, I've got Google now. And so I've got Google Maps and, and I just call it up on my phone. I'm never lost anymore. Well, you know, there's some places where Google can't even find you. You ever been lost? Not knowing where you are, not knowing how you got there, and not knowing how to get back? Yeah. So you're supposed to meet a friend for dinner and you can't find the place. So you call them and say, hey, I'm lost. What did your friend say? Where are you? Well, if I knew that, I wouldn't be lost. It's it you break your heart the number of your neighbors who do not know who they are? they don't know why they are are you willing to walk up and down the streets of your own neighborhood and understand the hurt that's behind every door and let your heart break You see, every great movement of God starts when His people have their heart broken. And there's something about that brokenness, that that opening that allows God to enter our world. Like I told you, this is a strange vision sermon. I'm not going to introduce any new programs, I'm not going to talk to you about any new facilities. Here's what we found out in COVID. About 80% of what we do as a church makes no difference. There are a handful of things that we do that make an impact on your life and your family. Worship is one of those. Your group is one of those. Bible study is one of those. A ministry or mission that engages your community, that brings up gospel conversations, all of that founded on prayer. That's what we have found out really matters, and that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to begin to pray the way Nehemiah prayed for his neighborhood, for his city. Pray for Columbia, pray for Spring Hill, pray for Thompson Station, pray for Brentwood, pray for Franklin, pray for Nolensville, pray for Nashville, pray for Smyrna, pray for all of those cities. In Nashville in, in the middle Tennessee area. I want you to pray for them. No, I don't want you now to lay me down. Now lay me down to sleep, Lord. Bless Nashville. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about walking through your neighborhood and allowing your heart to be broken, getting together with your group, and together talking about. You know, this should not be this way in our city. There shouldn't be foster children or children in a foster care system that don't have a place to sleep at night. There shouldn't be this many children waiting for an adoptive family. There shouldn't be this many people in Middle Tennessee who are lonely. What are you going to do? who has a gift, who has a passion that you're going to pray and say, here's what we're going to do. Because you see, that's where the story ended. When Nehemiah remembered, I am a cupbearer to the king. Yes, I know what's going on in Jerusalem and I know how bad it is. I know what God has done, but yet I know what God will do. And where's it going to start? It starts because Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. Where has God put you? Where has God placed you that you will have the platform, the open door, the opportunity to rebuild your community? Yeah, I know. It's a weird vision sermon. But we're in a weird time. And the healing starts when the people of God have their heart broken. The healing starts when the people of God are willing to have their heart broken. Are you willing to walk with me in this coming year? And allow God to break your heart. For what breaks his. Here's your pastor now. To talk to you about what this would mean.
1: In your community. And on your campus. Thank you Mike. Now folks we're not going to have two sermons today. And just to assuade you on that, I'm going to go ahead and have the worship team come back up with me. But I do have a couple of things I'd like to share. We're going to move into a time of prayer, um, following Mike's admonition there. and You know, actually, our next sermon series in November, we're going to be looking at uh, The prophet's words, I've always said it, Habakkuk, but I've heard it pronounced recently Habakkuk, so I think you can go either way with that. And it's in there, Habakkuk prophesied during this time around before uh, Nehemiah's story, and he spoke of um, when Babylon overcame Judah, what they would do around the wall is they would build these ramps from the earth, up to the wall and then just go right over and they overtook the city. And Nehemiah tells the story of that wall being rebuilt. And I wonder how big they had to build the wall back to feel like that would not happen again during this time. They did rebuild the wall, but it's not the walls that give us security as much as it is God's promises over us and, and, and for us. The promise is that if you are one who is following and being formed by Jesus, that you are already participating in God's kingdom coming, you're continuing the life and work of God's one and only son, Jesus, then you have bought in. You understand those promises. You are enveloped by those promises. And you know that you and your families, by extension, and our church, we're going to be Okay even in a time where heartbreak abounds. It occurs to me in a world that that ramps like this exist for for harm. There are better ramps. There are ramps that get us to things that are lost. I love when Mike talked about loss. That that word, you know, when I became a pastor, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go there to that word. Or I had some reticence because it sounded so final. It sounded like a word that was going to turn somebody off immediately. What do you mean I'm lost? But you know what? Lost things, things that are lost, are things that are loved. Otherwise, we wouldn't know they're lost. Luke understood this. In chapter 15, he told several stories about lost things, a sheep, a coin, a son. These things were found and rejoiced over. When I think about Avenue South and where they are located, think about my own story. Twenty-four years ago now, almost 25, blows my mind, I came to, to Belmont As a student, and uh, I I wasn't lost, but I was in a pivotal time in my life. I could have been anybody I want to be when you go to school, especially in a town like Nashville coming from where I was coming from. The world was my oyster. I don't know what that means, but that's what people say. (laughs) There's ministry going on in that part of of town. And I found like-minded people. Jesus found me. I love that we have such a strong congregation right there for all of those students who are coming to town, whether it be Vanderbilt or Belmont or Lipscomb, TSU. Well, that connected with my life, my path, my journey. And here I sit with you today, called to preach the gospel and lead this congregation to do the ministry that we're called to do right here. And those videos that we watch and the stories that they represent, as exciting as they are, they don't represent what's taking place immediately right here, but there are stories to be told about what is going on right here. Just like those, just like mine down in Wedgwood, Houston area. What are the stories to be told here? Who is lost among us and they don't even know it? but we're going to have a gospel conversation with them and with theirs. And we're going to do it in a way that's not weird because you can do that. You can invite people into your lives in a way that is compelling. That is not judgmental. It's not weird. And just get to know them. Live here amongst God's people, build ramps that are strong, that get to whoever Whenever, wherever. That is a compelling vision sermon. I disagree with Mike. This is exactly why we are here. How do we find those stories and become a part of them? First, we pray. We pray. We're going to be talking a lot about prayer over the next few months and into next year but even more than that we're going to be doing it yes we already were but prayer can easily become one of those things that we it becomes implied and we're not going to let that happen anymore we are going to be a place a people who pray so as we enter into this time um, i'm going to invite oxana to lead us but first i'm going to pray for us and uh And then we'll move into a pretty special time of prayer together as a church. Bow your heads with me.